When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could with things I picked up along the way. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today I'm looking at a event that happens that is both bitter and sweet, bittersweet. There is weeping and there's rejoicing, and maybe you've had something like that in your life recently, or you've been the one weeping when others are rejoicing, or vice versa. Well, this is for you. Thank you, Melanie, for reading that. We have here the description of the second temple being built by Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel. And just like, you know, the Pharaoh didn't build the pyramids, it was a group of people. Some of them are named, many of them are not in this story. But they are building on the ruins of the first temple the temple that Solomon built. Solomon builds his temple in right around 1,000 B.C. or B.C.E., 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus. And then you have, um, you know, 586 B.C. As, as you know, I don't need to tell you, but I'm easily confused by history. Uh, history counts down from a high number to a low number of years going in B.C. or B.C.E., Kind of like we live in the twenty, the twenty first century right now, when it's really twenty twenty one. So people in BC lived in the fifth century when it was five eighty six BC. It was the fifth century in five eighty six BC, and we are like so. If you're good with numbers, you find that to be easy to calculate in your head. I have a hard time, but this happens. Um, after 70 years after 586 BC. So you can do the math to figure out what year this happens in. Um, but it's hundreds of years after Solomon's temple was built. But it's 70 years after the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And Zerubbabel rebuilds the temple of the Lord. He has the masons and the carpenters, and he has the whole Persian empire supply chain behind him. To build this, the money that has been given. They gave free will offerings, it says in the chapter before. They number the people and they get everybody organized and they're ready to build this building. Um, and they first start the worship of the temple, the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. Last night before the bishop's committee, we prayed the prayer, let my prayer be in your sight as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. That's a line from the Psalms, which is about the temple worship, the worship in the temple of the Lord, morning sacrifice, evening sacrifice. And it involved the ritual killing of animals and the sharing of food and cooking them, but it also involved singing of Psalms and prayers. And one of the Psalms is mentioned here, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy or steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. Um, that psalm of repetition, I think it's Psalm 136. I could be mistaken on that one. Um, is a repetitive psalm. So the liturgy of the temple is restored. The prayers are restored. And these are the prayers that Jesus prayed. Jesus and his followers, even after his resurrection, went to the temple to pray. There's a story of Peter and James, or Peter and John, going to the temple to pray. Um, this is after the resurrection, after Pentecost. 
they're going to the temple to participate in the daily prayers that were, that were done there. Daily prayers, like you're doing right now, is a Christian thing. Um, it's the thing that uh, Christians started to, kept doing after Jesus rose from the dead and the church was formed and started. It was something they've been doing ever since. Every so often, it'll go through a shift. In England, 500 years ago, the monks did these prayers. They prayed seven times a day because the Psalms say, seven times a day do I praise you. So the monks had seven hours of prayer that they would stop everything they were doing, working or whatever, and pray. Uh, When the English Reformation happened, not everybody could be a monk. Some people needed to do other jobs, um, like farm workers and and, uh, teachers and all sorts of other things. So they consolidated the, the monks' offices of prayer, the seven offices, into two, morning and evening prayer, which is actually what the temple was doing. The temple all along had morning and evening prayer. And then there's this really bittersweet moment. After the temple is built, and they're, they have the big opening day, and there's food and drink and a big party um, to celebrate. And there's people from all over the world that have come to this, from Tyre and Sidon, the place where they got the, um, the, the timber to build, rebuild this temple. And it, probably some Persian officials are there too to celebrate. They are, they are behind this project 100%. They're the ones funding it. And then it says, um, when they finally um, built this temple and everybody saw it, the old men, it specifically mentions the old men here. It says old people in this translation, old people. Hard to know if it's men and women or just probably as men and women because um, women live longer than men. And there's probably more old women there than old men. I don't know. This is just me speculating. It does say old men but that could be an inclusive noun for male, men and women, um, as, as English was until very recently. Um, and so there's, they are cheering, everyone's rejoicing, but these older people who saw the original temple of Solomon, they saw it destroyed, they start weeping, loudly weeping. And they are weeping because this temple doesn't look as nice as Solomon's temple. It's not as glorious. I mean, it's built on a ruin that is laid bare for 70 years. Uh, That's what they built this temple on. It's just a slab of stone, and they built this temple on that platform. So there's not this big infrastructure around the temple. It's just a building, the temple. Um, And you can see why this wouldn't look as glorious as Solomon's temple, Solomon's uh, big temple. But it is the temple, and and God is dwelling there. And even though it doesn't look like much for these people that saw the original one, for the people that haven't seen the original one, they're happy, they're rejoicing, they're thankful. Um, This is like captures all of human life, doesn't it, for us? Um, that we live in this bittersweet moment all the time. Whenever, as we get older, when we see something new, there is memories of things that have passed away, people that have gone, and institutions and places we've loved. Um, Similar to when you go back to your elementary school and realize how small the lockers were that once were so big. Um, This is the moment of bittersweet. Um, and And the cries are mingled together. 
For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far, far away, but you could not distinguish the joyful shouts from the weeping. And this is all of human life. We can never distinguish our joyful shouts from our weeping. Um, this is what it means to be human, to have these kinds of feelings. The, 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 the writer of the scripture verse doesn't condemn these people for weeping. Um, doesn't say they're bad people. Um, it just says they're normal people that have grief. Um, they're remembering the temple in all its glory. And then they're remembering how it was destroyed. And they're remembering, I mean, they, these, they were probably in their, you know, they were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old when they saw the first temple. And now as old, older people, they are remembering this. And so this shows that God is even in these moments of our weeping and our rejoicing. So whether you're weeping today or whether you're rejoicing, those are things that involve God. God is not far away from you in your weeping and your rejoicing. In fact, this is what worship is, is pouring out our hearts to God. And then whether that's hearts that are weeping or whether that's hearts that are cheering and rejoicing, but it's doing that towards God in the temple, in the presence of God and with the, in the presence of God's people. This is the moment. Later, uh, Jesus will come and he will preach in this temple. He will stand up in this temple on the great feast day and say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and I will give you living water, he shouts in the temple precincts. He says this to them because he knows that in that temple, everything is there, the weeping and the rejoicing. Amen.